My name is Optimus Prime. We are autonomous robotic organisms, but you can call us Autobots. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Once you rest well in a month from now, the Hollywood Big Shot's gonna give you what you want. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Inside Your Screen podcast. I'm Mr. Selfie, Tony Self. And on my left corner, in the blue corner, uh, I have a fellow co-host. If laughter is the best medicine, then his face would be curing the world. It's Michael Prime. How are you doing, Mike? I'm greatly offended. <laughs> I mean... As you should um, be. I mean, it's the truth, but it's still offensive. <laughs> and in the other corner, in the red corner, we have our, L- our other fellow co-host uh, bringing his yaya to his own ding-dong, it's Brendan Horgan. Hello, Brendan. Hello. Um, so, guys, it's been a while since we've uh, done one of these, um, like, the three of us together. Uh, Brendan and I have been, like, recounting Killing Eve and uh, Snowpiercer and been doing uh, some other our, our own kind of, like, um, you know, video games and whatnot. But now it's the first time in a while that the three of us, the trifecta, are back. How you guys all been? I've been good, man good i'm i'm still covid free thankfully but um getting a bit bored of being at home now a little bit what i did love about that is the fact that they kind of like were like hey every you know everyone the pubs are open now mass en route to the pubs and then like little small outbreaks are like you know coming up and the government are like well it's your own damn fault yeah (laughs) <laughs> we didn't tell you to go we didn't tell you not to go yeah uh, but we, we didn't really didn't say anything we didn't really give yeah. you any kind of incentive but it's all your fault yeah. it's got nothing to do with us yeah we're done now <laughs> uh so brendan how are you being man yeah yeah good uh it was uh, quite a nice day out today so i spent a lot of time in the garden today um yeah nice relaxing day uh yeah, yeah. looking forward to ufc tonight there was live boxing last night anyone we recording on saturday so is hopefully... this the first time like live boxing has been made available in the, in the uk so it's the, the first show there have been shows in america uh yeah. but they've been on in, in the middle of the week so i haven't been able to stay up live being working so i you know i'd love to but i just i wouldn't be able to get up in the morning for work so i kind of still watch those shows but it's not the same when you're not watching live it's just boxing, so it's kind of, you know, you want that kind of live, you never know what's going to happen feel. So that came back last night, so that was wicked. It wasn't the best boxing show you'd ever seen in your life. Who um, was fighting? By any stretch of the imagination. Um, well, the main event was a guy called uh, Brad Foster, and he was defending his British and Commonwealth title against a guy called uh, James Beach. I think it was James. I think it's first. Is this James Beach, Mike? Is it James? I don't know. But anyway, yeah, it was that was a really good scrap. Um, the rest of the fights were kind of pretty one-sided, but it was just good to have live boxing back. Excellent. Yeah. So, without further ado, um, let's let's start off the uh, episode with what's been inside your screen. So, Mike, I'm going to turn around to you, sir, and say what's been inside your screen this week. So, um, during the week last week, I discovered a gem. Uh, a really old clip on YouTube that someone had shared uh, a clip of on Instagram. So clips of clips of clips sort of thing. Um, but it was a Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant IBM training video. And it's about 15, 20 minutes long. 
and it was hilarious with that really original office type humor based on David Brent. Um, and me and my wife, huge fans of The Office, watch it all the time. So we we went back and we started watching a lot of the old um, Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant <clears throat> shows again. So we went through The Office completely. We, we did extras completely. And I'm just in the middle of Life's Too Short. And uh, like I said, being a massive Gervais fan, it's, it's, it's just a, one of my favorite things to do is just to recap over the greatness that yeah. is yeah yeah it's good to, like i don't know if you've noticed like recent i don't know what it is but they uh there was something that i've seen online where they're sort of trying to make out that ricky gervais is like disowned carl pilkington have you seen that i no. have not i no. don't know if it's just like a kind of uh a, a sm- like a semi-faction or anything like that but it's like no man like you know he ricky gervais i'm sure they're all still friends and everything maybe it's just like scandalous like you know trying to get something like you know johnny depp and amber heard are like you know uh at the moment taking headlines with their divorce proceedings and all their court orders and shit like that sort of thing but i just found it kind of funny because yeah i'm I'm the same i i I can always go back to like uh, extras and the office uh and see ricky gervais like back way back when and like his new stuff with afterlife um and i love it it's great yeah definitely so yeah, that's been me. Um, obviously, I love Afterlife and things like that. But to go back to even just like twenty years, we're talking now to the original Office. God, it's, it's been just, twenty years. It's, it's, was it? Well, yeah, wasn't it? Two thousand and one. Two thousand and one. It came out. So you know, I feel like nineteen, twenty years now, and it's it's just timeless comedy. Mm-hmm. So I could watch that anytime. And then extras on the back of that a couple of years later. Again, top quality British comedy that i will be able to watch mike do you think the office like back in the day do you think the humor still stands up today now that it did uh like nearly 20 years ago i actually think more so now um because before it was a bit close to the bone but we're a bit more of a uh whimpery <laughs> pc state <try> baby <laughs> yeah so a lot of the jo- like for instance i was watching again life's too short yesterday obviously i won't drag this out too long and one of the opening scenes obviously because the basis of the show is warwick davis obviously a uh smaller person i'm not sure what the correct term is to say vertically has challenged a, vertically challenged has an agency for other small people slash vertically challenged actors actresses <laughs> etc and he, he's having a little casting and he's got two of them in front of him and um one of them is completely blacked up and oh, wow. he's wearing a dreadlock wig yeah. and one of them is not and they're singing ebony and ivory and in fairness <laughs> in fairness he says there's a few problems here uh first of all you're completely blacked up i think that's pretty racist and he, he calls it out and things like that like i said 20 years 15 years ago they were bad then they were they were a bit tricky but current moment now obviously it's it's not yeah. the time to be to having those sort of things so well, I'm, I'm glad I've got that. I'm surprised it hasn't been pulled. It was BBC, wasn't it? That, that it was. I, I've, I'm I've surprised actually, they haven't pulled that. They've, I, the life's too short. I don't think you can even get that anywhere because I think the whole uh, vertically challenged people is a bit of a an issue as it is anyway. But um, yeah, I've got that on DVD. I bought the box set as soon as it came out, so I will always have that because it was uh, it wasn't it wasn't one of his best works in terms of being received by the public. So a lot of people didn't actually see it or even know it existed. So I don't think they're too quick to put it back out. Yeah. I mean, what do you guys think about the kind of whole, like, I know, like, recently they've been, uh, like, you know, on certain, like, on Sky, for example, there's been so many, like, films now that they have this kind of, like, the blurb before you actually um, sort of, like, pick the film. It's like, there are some outdated um, issues in this film and stuff like that, even, like, with, like, Aladdin, like, Disney films and stuff like that. 
Um, what are your opinions about that kind of whole? Have we gone politically? Have we gone like too politically correct now with certain films and like having the kind of disclaimer about like you know? I don't know. Like... I'll sorry, go on, Brendan. No, no, that wasn't me. Oh, okay. No, I, I, I'm oh, just saying. Like, do you think we've gone too far with the kind of whole politically correct culture, the woke culture that we're in now, and everything? Like, what are your guys' opinions? So I don't think necessarily it's gone too far or it's not gone far enough. It's just an evolution of, of our society now where, so for me, as a, as you would say, a person of color, I see a lot of things that I think are, someone's actually said that someone's written it. And I think, I can't believe you've, you've done that. But at the same time, I can sit there and watch it. And I can see, I can say, I can see why that's funny. So I still, it makes me laugh, but I can see where we're going with, with things like the disclaimers and stuff. It's probably easier just for them to put it there and then that's a complete disclaimer. They can't. They don't have to answer to anything at that point. Rather than leave it or don't leave it and leave themselves open to an attack, or even if they're in the right, they don't have. They'd have to defend it, and it's just. It's a lot of work. Just when you could just cover your ass now and just say, "This is uh, from a different time," essentially copy and paste. They should just put it on everything now. But that's my point. Like, do, do are we going to have to? Like, does it? Does censorship now become like? Well, not censorship. That's maybe a bit too far. But like when there's like a film that has maybe some uh, racial issues involved or some like, you know, um, other issues that aren't that are kind of close to the bone. Like, do we have to be told like the beginning, like, oh, careful now when you watch this, you might be offended. Like, that's my point. Like, everyone has their own opinion of like what is offensive, what what is kind of like satirical. Like, as you said, like life is too short. Yeah, you've used that word. That, like that's where what satirical the, the concept of satire. Mm. Now, like Mike, I think you were just about to say Mike used a good example for Life Is Short, where they've kind of even within the show they're calling out the the racism with within the show. Did yeah. I right? So, but how you know how far do you go with satire? So. I would say there are an awful lot of historical films, if you look back and you look at the connotations of them, where it's not necessarily satire and it's not necessarily respectful. Oh, so of course, yeah, yeah. I also think there are certain movies out there when you look at certain, um, you know, the whole concept of blacking up and, you know, that the kind of the Chinese and Asian community got that really bad as well with, if you watch some, like, is it Breakfast at Tiffany's? Yeah, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, kind of, Jerry Lee Lewis, yeah. yeah it was like the, the Asian, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, like, uh, not, uh, what do you call it, like building manager. Um, yeah, and like, the, I think they've gone as far as to actually cut that out of certain versions of it because mm. there's a difference between that and satire because I think, I, I don't know, not necessarily that as an example, but there are a lot of examples where it actually is purposely there to be offensive. It's not satire. It's oh, not, yeah, yeah. It's not ignorance. It's, it's that kind of racist kind of connotation it is completely just given a racist kind of view viewpoint or uh you know a prejudiced viewpoint should i say yeah okay so brennan what's been inside your screen this week um so i've had a few things inside my screen this week um uh, the first thing that i had was um life is strange on the playstation 4 um, oh yeah yeah uh-huh so I'm kind of big, you know, I'm big into my kind of um, 
You like your choices. You like your choices in games, Brendan. I know that, yeah. Exactly. So, and the first episode was free, so I downloaded that um, and played that, and basically, uh, yeah, it really enjoyed it. And I've kind of already downloaded the season pass for the rest of the season, um, and I'm going to finish that. But yeah, it's kind of like a cool story. It's it's a kind of teenage story of a young girl, and basically, she realizes she can reverse time. Manipulate the time sphere. She, she can she can bring time backwards and time forwards. So uh, it, it kind of starts off the, without going too heavy into it. But it, the, the initial kind of opening scene is she witnesses a murder. And you don't really get much choice in this, but she kind of reverses time and she stops the murder from taking place. Good on um, her. Yeah, she's a high school student, and I think the big story, we haven't gone deep into it, but there's a missing girl called Amanda, I think, and everyone, at the, as you go kind of go through the game, you find out that everybody knows this missing girl, why has she gone missing, and kind of, I, I think there's going to be kind of, you know, the story's going to lead to this the character using her time-travelling moving powers to... Uh, Solve the murder mystery is what I think. But yeah, enjoying it so far. Choice. You know there's a second series, right? I do, yeah. So oh, I'm okay. gonna again I've kind of I'm gonna play this first series, see how it goes. See You're going I... from like the start and you're just gonna like go through the whole thing. Like I know you did like with the Walking Dead, uh, the Telltale uh series. Um was there like there... is there three series now or four series? I can't remember now. So there was four. They did, did four and all, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fourth was was the final one. They did have a couple of mini episodes in there before, but yeah, anyone who's played the Walking Dead Telltale series, very similar style in regards to it's choice based, so conversation based, and depending on how you treat certain characters, you have different outcomes. So yeah, fantastic. And I'll tell you uh, briefly what I've been binging out on: uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, Netflix have brought back Unsolved Mysteries, and I'm I'm loving it. Um, this this is a kind of like thing not close to my heart, but uh, you know when you were young, and I, this is the question I'm going to ask you both now. Uh, when I was like really young, and um, you know when your parents uh, would say like, "Hey, you need to go to bed now," and it's like, "Oh, can I just like, like listen to the theme tune of like this show before it's you know before it starts?" And da la la. Unsolved mysteries for me was that kind of like I loved listening to the theme tune of the of the. I had no. I was so young that I didn't comprehend what the actual show was about. I mean, I had like little certain things, but I just needed to listen to that kind of music theme tune before I went to bed. And that's kind of stuck with me. Um, Netflix has released, uh, I think they're like six episodes. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, going back to, um, and I, I, I love the fact that they're, they're just basically, re, you know, repackaging it essentially. Um, yeah, it, it's just like, you know, it's the kind of, uh, I, we live in an age of like the kind of docu-soap or docu-dramas where, you know, um you can watch like a whole you can binge out on an unsolved or mystery type drama and and this is like bringing that back to like a very kind of uh compressed version so each sort of episode um has its own uh, unsolved mystery if you will there are some there though that are just like oh like you're just sitting there going he clearly did it or she clearly did it um so yeah it's a little bit in that kind of respect, you, you do kind of like sit there and think to yourself, well, hmm, you're clearly the killer is here. Um, but we're just, you know, in this digital day and age, we're highlighting it to people now that can sort of see it and take what they will from it. But have you guys watched it? 
I have. I've, I haven't watched all of them. I've watched I think three or four. I've watched the the very first episode. I've watched the UFO one, and I think a couple more. I've really enjoyed it. Um, much the same stuff. I didn't actually know it was a, a show from before, so this is my first kind of take of it. I do like it. I like the concepts, but it's it's almost like. And it's it's so obvious it's an unsolved mystery, but it's like watching porn with no, no, <laughs> no happy ending. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's like <laughs> I I need to know what's happened. Yeah. Um, and you get to like it's it's really good, and then it's like, poof, next episode in ten seconds. You're like, what the fuck? Mm, yeah, and then you Google true. it, but because it's brand new show and it's being watched by millions of people around the world, it's just all fresh topics of nonsense. So I can't get any closure. So I, I'm going to. Uh, it's not it's not the best for me but i I do enjoy it yeah the one thing that i was a little bit disappointed about because in the like in the original series like this was a series that started like in the late 80s and uh robert stack was the guy who was like in the trench coat and his like deep baritone voice would like introduce every kind of like mystery if you will i was disappointed they they didn't sort of have someone like that introducing each episode They've done it in a very kind of, um, you know, Netflixy documentary sort of way where it's just like, you know, title cards across the screen. But I was looking forward to just having like someone in that kind of trench coat, you know, deep throat style, like, you know, um, CIA. That's what I'm talking about. The porno. (laughs) You know exactly what I'm talking about now. (laughs) But yeah, no, I'm loving it and I can't wait for, I mean, I know this has just been released, so it's going to be a while now until the second series, but I hope they continue uh, with unsolved mysteries, and they have um, they have other other things that you know we we can see and sort of delve into. Um, but yeah, following that, let's get onto the main topic of conversation. So uh, we've all seen uh, Eurovision Song Contest: The Story of Fire Saga, uh, starring um, Will Ferrell and um, uh, Rachel Mc. Oh, I want to say Rachel McAdams, but I think that's wrong. Don't say them. Rachel, no, it's Rachel McAdams. Yeah, it is. Um, what do you guys think? Give me your thoughts. Like, straight off the bat, give me your overall opinions, and then we'll get into it. I'm going to okay, start my, with you, Mike. My overall opinion, um, I enjoyed it. And then we will delve into it further. But I was I enjoyed it. That's your tagline. I enjoy that it. That is literally, literally. <laughs> but you put that in, put it up on IMDb. Put it in everything. Mike, Mike enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. What about you, Brendan? Um, I enjoyed it too. There we go. Now let's get into it. <laughs> we can't just have a. We enjoyed it. It was good. I will, I will give. I will give a much. I've got a much further. I've got notes. I've got a detailed breakdown of it. But it's not a tagline. There's no tagline to it. Well, let's go in, Mike, into your detailed breakdown. Let's, um, I, I, let me, I'll right, tell you what, let me give a little kind of introduction. If no one's uh, seen or heard of this, it's been out on Netflix for a couple of months now. Um, oh, is that, I think it's only been a couple of weeks, if I'm honest. It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't know. That's the whole lockdown process. Yeah. Weeks become months, months become years. Um, Actually, yeah. yeah, it's true. I'm looking now and it was released in 2016. So. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. So, uh, Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams plays Lars Eriksson and uh, Sigrid <laughs> Eric's daughter from Iceland. All of the, um, you know, uh, they are two people who grew up together um, and uh, during a kind of um, 
a party, if you will. They see ABBA playing the kind of Eurovision Song Contest. And they have their own kind of like uh, dream of becoming like the next pop duo, if you will. Uh, they spend their whole lives uh, trying to uh, become the next big thing. Uh, they have a band uh, which is called uh, Fire Saga. And they're like, I, I suppose you, I'd typically say they're that Icelandic sort of like sort of pop uh, synth kind of sound going on for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, through a, a series of hilarious kind of uh, consequences, they end up being the kind of Icelandic pick. Um, and they basically, uh, through a series, a, mis- uh, a series of fortunate of misfortunate events, if you will, um, they, they, uh, yeah, they, they basically go on stage and blunder after blunder become like the kind of, uh, The real kind of like uh, I, I, I guess um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah, this summary is really good, Tone. Sorry, oh. I waffled. I waffled a bit, but um, anyway, yeah, they um, they become like the laughing stock of Iceland, um, and then they have to kind of like make their way out from it. So, Mike, let's let's go into the details of it. Uh, tell us what you thought um, from the ground up. Okay, so this is obviously a spoiler review, just so I, I'm fully aware. Spoiler review warning. Yeah. Okay. Right. I'm just going to break this down very quickly and then I'll give you my further thoughts on it, right? So we've got the part, this film, the film I enjoy, right? There is a son who is desperate for his father's approval. Yes. The son then betrays his father to compete. He gets rejected by the powers that be that are supposed to put him forward, becomes a laughing stock, goes to the competition, gets rejected by all the other competitors shame themselves in the first round. They change their style to fit in with the other people around them and shame themselves even further. They go back to basics. They crash and burn. They even get a slow clap from the audience. I have just given you the synopsis for Cool Run-Ins. Ooh. Shit, that's deep, man. Say that again. Lots of apology. Could you mind <laughs> doing that again? <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's- right. Yeah, do that again, just just to clarify. So just to clarify, and I can say it a bit slower now because I'm not trying to uh, just throw it out. You've got a son who is desperate for his father's approval. He then betrays his father to compete and becomes an absolute laughing stock um, amongst his peers. They get rejected by the competitors when they get to the new place, uh, when they get to the competition, and again, they shame themselves completely in the first round. They then adjust their style to try to fit in more with the people around them. They shame themselves even further. Uh, They decide they're going to go back to basics. They start to excel. They're looking like the finished article. Crash and burn. Slow clap from the audience. Disqualification in both. It's cool runnings, but with white people and music. Oh, my God. That is absolutely fantastic. I'm genuinely right now, Mike, going to actually look online on IMDb and just see if the same writers wrote Cool Runnings, because that would make this absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. As I said, I enjoyed it. But after about 20 minutes, I was like, this is a very this is a very well-trodden path here. I already yeah. know what's going to happen. No, you're right. Know like, what's going to happen. It is Cool Runnings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they just don't have John Candy, I guess, for... Um... Yeah, and obviously, I mean, Cool Runs is more about four people. This one pretty much only concentrates on Will Ferrell's character, but, yeah, it's he's the rich boy's son, 
from cool runnings it's just his story he even has the kind of confrontation moment on the boat with his with his dad when he's like you never respect me and then he just goes back to it anyway it's just it's, it's scene for scene cool runnings and i just wanted to throw that out there and that's why i couldn't give a tagline because i did enjoy it but it's, <laughs> it's just a rip-off film no it's true i mean like any kind of film with will farrell um is always going to make me think um you know unless i'm in the mood for because will farrell to me is that kind of persona that has the kind of Adam Sandler thing. Like he's in a lot of comedies where he just shouts a lot, um, yeah. which is great. You know, this, I mean, Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga, for me is that kind of like Sunday sort of afternoon film. Like maybe you've been out with people the night before and you're a bit hungover. You don't really want to do anything and you just kind of like put this on. And obviously the kind of ironic, the ironic thing of this is that obviously this was going to be like, like a big kind of, um, segue with the kind of Eurovision Song Contest 2020, which obviously didn't happen because of the the, the ongoing climate issue sort of thing. So it kind of loses a little bit of its kind of uh, bite um, for me when you know the facts of like the current situation of the world. Yeah. Um, and because Eurovision's always been that kind of thing where, you know, it's it's a great kitschy sort of show, essentially you know that certain countries are going to be given points to certain countries and really the, the the merit of like the songs, you know, does it get like underwhelmed by the fact of like the politics going on? Um, but yeah, I kind of felt like it, it as you said, like it's a, it's a good movie in respect of like, you know, um, that kind of like cheesy sort of comedy uh, where, you know, boy and girl, kind of get you know their kind of their dreams are to get to here and all this kind of stuff and they get undermined and they get overwhelmed at every kind of hurdle but then in the end they kind of come good um but yeah it just it was it misfired for me on a lot of instances there were a lot of jokes that i found felt flat um there are some nice gags and you know they're always like there's this running theme of like lars and cigarettes relationship it's like, it's like, are you brother and sister sort of thing? That kind of repeatedly yeah. comes up. Um, ultimately, I kind of felt like Will Ferrell was too old for this part. Yes, like his, his age is showing through now to me. Like uh, Rachel McAdams, um, and they're meant to be like the same age. And then when you see them in like the basement of like Pierce Brosnan, so Pierce Brosnan plays the father figure um, of Will Ferrell's character. And uh, when he kind of comes down and they're in the basement doing their kind of like, you know, uh, synth wave poppy song, it just it just is it's too apparent that like Will Ferrell is like 15 years older, if not 20 years older than Rachel McAdams. And it just it <clears throat> there's a little like, yeah, it just kind of took me a while to kind of get through that, if you will. Can I ask one quick, quick question as well, going on what we were talking about just a few minutes ago? Yeah. Is it OK for... British and American actors to suddenly just be pretending to be Icelandic, or is that is that where we're going to end up going? Can I be complete things like that? <laughs> can I, I was I, I was going to bring this up, but I don't know, and I, because I, if I'm honest, I don't know enough about the Icelandic uh, Iceland as a country and their culture to know whether or not this was offensive. But there yes. were certain scenes when they like covered the. Uh, there's a little thing I'll touch upon as well, like which is intriguing. But again, is it offensive? I'm, I I don't know if I'm honest, and if if Iceland, but I watched big chunks of this film and and I did. I was completely conscious in my thoughts, and I I was sat there going, I wonder is this 
seen offensive if you were Icelandic? Yeah. Would you find this Icelandic? And I was sat back going, I don't know, obviously, because I'm not and I don't know. But I wonder if that is the case. Um, the scenes where they showed like the Icelandic Eurovision boards, like the, the selection panel yeah. was like, <clears throat> I, I can see where they were going with the humour and stuff. But again, it, it just, there was some like really, some of the accents, the accents were obviously varied because obviously like Mike said, most, I, I, there probably wasn't an Icelandic actor there. Um, maybe there was, but I, I, not that I'm aware, but it, I don't know. Yeah, that that stood out to me. I was kind of like, is this offensive? And I, 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 I don't know. Like, I, 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 wonder, I, I wonder. I'll be honest with you. I, I was kind of on the sort of opposite of it. Like, I, I, I can see what, what you're saying in terms of like actors. Like, the, that's the thing like with Will Ferrell. Like, he's done many a different sort of persona. And that in itself is like um, what a, what an actor needs to do. Um, but I felt like it was pulling its punches a lot of the times. I don't uh, know. It was more the kind of portrayal of them all. Yeah. It's very much like, again, if, take away, let's let's take a step back from the that the, the board. The village that he lives in, it's yeah. all that kind of like, they all, none of them have aspirations to leave the village, you know. They're all kind of like, you know, you can't go and win the Eurovision, you know, like the, the, the concept of we're Iceland, you know, we can't win it, you know, we can't like, it's, I don't know. Um, well, no, the, I, I disagree because they have that, uh, what's the, the main singer that they have that is probably um, a, an actual pop star? Does it? I'll get into that in a second. Sort but of that's thing, but one character. Just... I just mean that as that's of one course. character. I think if you look at all the Icelandic people portrayed in the film. Yeah. They I all don't... go to like one bar to like, you know, yeah. yeah like there, that little there, town. there is this very kind of, like, like you said, that whole thing about like, uh, uh, about um, Piers Brosnan's character where they're like, he's probably everyone's dad in here. <laughs> they actually, yeah, they, yeah. they had the joke of it. Like, and it's kind of like, really? Yeah. Oh, Okay. Are you trying to? Are you saying to say like maybe it's like a backwards sort of town where you know my cousin think, was my mother kind of thing? Yeah, I think that's what they're trying to throw <laughs> into. But yeah. but yeah, that was just a, a quick thought. Um, not to obviously go into it again too deeply. It's just it, it, is this where it's going to be? Where I'm I'm physically watching these things now. I'm thinking, oh, should should this be funny? And obviously that's a bit sad. So maybe we are going too far to go back to your earlier question. But sorry to to go back to the film. Cool runnings. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Feral's skill with like goofy man child is well documented yeah. from like his other films, and he kind of brings that to this as well. Um, Can I ask a really important question to both of you? Go for it. Like, this yeah. is a this is a comedy, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Did either of you laugh out loud at, out loud at any stage during this film? Um, I don't think I did. I think there were, I, I literally, I, I wasn't interested in it to watch it first. Um, so I watched it in two halves. I watched half of it um, in one go, the first half, obviously, and just thought I didn't, I barely even chuckled. Um, I think towards the the midpoint, like when they meet the Americans and stuff like that, I, I gave a few giggles, but it, it just, it, the jokes just seemed really forced and really quite obvious a lot of the time. And like I said, the, my problem was because the film seemed so predictable, you could kind of guess. Yeah everything that was going to happen and it that's where it fell out for me unfortunately no yeah, i agree like I, um i i don't think i laughed out loud once in it there was moments where i smiled um i thought for me the best part of this was the lyrics of the eurovision songs yeah oh i thought you were gonna say yaya ding dong 
No, yeah, including yeah, 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 ding dong, yeah, yeah, ding dong, including yeah, yeah, ding dong. If you actually look at the lyrics of yeah, yeah, and ding dong, that's actually a really funny song. Yeah, like yeah. That, that. This is this is that the was the best part. The kind of the piss take of the Eurovision songs and the lyrics, like what was the 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 Russian character? Oh, lo- love lion or something like that. I'm your lion lover, <laughs> whatever it was. But it was just yeah. brilliant. It was really. I thought it was hilarious. It kind of like to me. It kind of felt like a Saturday Night Live sketch that was kind of uh, you know uh, stretched over two hours. Stretched out, yeah. That's why I kind of got. And there's a lot of films that have done that, where characters from Saturday Night Live, uh, Saturday Night Live, sorry, have have kind of like then gone on to like feature films with varying degrees of success. However, um, I, I I kind of felt like yeah, this was. This was just too long for what it was, and you can all, you yeah. obviously know that Eurovision have backed this, um, but there's I, I wonder how many like stipulations because there's that segment as well where you go yeah you go to the Russians like his boudoir or whatever and, like you you get this kind of like song with all these cameos of like past um, Eurovision song contest winners or, or participants as well, and I felt that was just like really forced. And it was really strained. I didn't appreciate that really at all. It kind of felt like was a, yeah. that was a particular um, clause for Eurovision to say, like, oh, we need to kind of like bring out all these kind of people that we've had before. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. this, if you just look at the base, this was like, I, and I bet you if we looked quite deep, this entire film must have been funded by Eurovision. It's, a, it's, it's one, just an advert. It's yeah. one big advert for Eurovision. It really is. Yeah. Like, and as you said, that Eurovision probably said we have to get... Absolutely, they did. Eurovision mm. said, if you're using our name and... Yeah, use you our can, people. <laughs> you use our people. We're having this. You're, you're doing it. These are the rules you need to abide by. And we're taking a nice cut of that because because it's a nice big advert. It was a huge advert for Eurovision. Mm-hmm. And that scene as well was a good, and I don't, so I don't know about you guys, right? But I haven't watched Eurovision since I was probably about nine, ten I've, years old. I've never watched it. I hate the yeah. idea of it. So when I was younger, it was. I'm going dis- to disagree with both of you, but go on. You can't it. disagree with us not liking it. Yeah, but I love it. I love what? Eurovision, man. Right, so I, I'd say the last time I watched it, I was maybe nine or ten, something like that. I used to watch it when I was younger because, and it, this is something that actually alludes to the film as well. But um, coming from an Irish family, it really was back then. It was a big thing, right? You tune in and you'd kind of want Ireland to win, right? And Ireland were quite successful at winning it. So I kind of remember tuning in as a kid and kind of like. Ireland like really want to you know and every year they'd, they'd have really nice songs and good traditional Irish songs or country songs or just nice ballady type kind of that type of stuff and what actually so I did watch it back then and I probably stopped watching it was when Ireland basically what happened was very similar to what actually happens in this film was Ireland started winning it like quite a lot mm, and I think they mm. were couple of years in a row and it genuinely did get to the stage where ireland could not afford to host the games where it was like yeah, this is yeah. too expensive to host this every year so they basically pretty much did it in iceland and started putting <laughs> this is the truth <laughs> started putting really yeah, shit know, yeah. really yeah. shit pop fans in with really cheap because it was like right there's no way in hell we're gonna win it with this because we can't afford to host it, so we can't. We need to stop putting like genuine musicians in the competition. 
So basically, I think it was around then where I probably stopped watching because it was just like, yeah, Ireland are crap now. And But I do remember watching it as a kid and like writing the scores down. And I know there's a massive culture that does it, which you're obviously about to tell me about, Tony. Um, but I can see where this would... Eurovision fans, right, would love that scene that you hated. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I mean, the Eurovision Song Contest in itself is best because it's it's silly, and when you know, it embraces the power of you know that kind of thing. It's a it's a silly competition, really, when you think about it. Um, but it's it's one of those kind of like hallmarks of uh, watching TV and stuff. Like, I, listen, I don't watch it every year and all that kind of stuff, but. You know, it is entertaining, especially when you have a group of people, like when you have your friends around or you're around at someone's house and you're watching it. Exactly what you said, Brendan, like, you know, you want your own country to be like, yeah, let's do this and all that kind of stuff. But then when you say, and you, I think every act now is becoming more and more uh, sort of exaggerated. Like you have like these death metal bands. I remember like one year there was just like, uh, maybe they're like Sweden, like this death metal band and all that kind of stuff. And you kind of think, yeah, man, go for it. Why not? But this, I think this film kind of encapsulates that in a kind of microcosm where they, you know, the, the fire saga, like Will Ferrell, Rachel McAdams are like these, you know, these two. I love the fact as well that, especially what you were saying there, like with the Icelandic sort of going, we can't, like the, the main bad guy, if you will, the kind of antagonist is like, we can't afford to kind of have uh, Iceland host this. And he's like the main bad guy who gets killed off by elves. Like that's a whole different thing, but you know, um but they i literally love the fact that they have this like this box um this kind of like box of cds and they're like oh we got to pick someone else just to be as a backup and they just inadvertently pick uh fire saga but then through a, a series of unfortunate events as i said before like you know uh they become the the kind of uh the ones to kind of brand it or whatnot um yeah it's a silly it's a silly film but also at the same yeah and as you said like, i didn't laugh out loud at all it is that kind of like there were little certain parts where it's like with the Yaya Ding Dong, there's that one guy who just wants to hear Yaya Ding Dong all the time. Um, stuff like that. Uh, it re relies a bit too heavily on the romantic relationship that doesn't make a lot of sense because obviously, you know, the, Rachel McAdams is like so much in love with Will Ferrell's character that it's just a bit like, well, surely they would have got together a lot sooner. But it's, it, Mike, you summed it up with your, your cool runnings. Like, it, definitely, yes. Um, that's what this film is, essentially. Yeah, it's just like, it's like the negative of Cool Runners. It's not about black people. It's about like the, one of the whitest countries in the world. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of a lot of rich people running around doing stuff. But yeah, it's, it's just like the negative of that film. So, but I, yeah, I mean, obviously I enjoyed that because I enjoyed Cool Runners and I like that story. It's nice when you get the whole bit at the end when it's like, yeah, you, you do your thing. I'm proud of you. You're doing it. But it's not got any, and because it's not a real story, it's not based on anything well i say for me personally it's not got any like cultural significance or anything so it's not something that's going to resonate with me personally so it's, it's not gonna it's not gonna stand the test of time like this will be probably the first and last time i ever watch this film yeah would you say this is more of a tribute or a parody is there a word that's like means both a triady yeah tragedy yeah <laughs> tragic triady yeah tragic, i feel like that's what it is uh, tragedy is um, quite good with the abba link as well i like that that's there you good go uh, so no, that yeah, was um, um oh yeah you're right yeah tragedy yeah yeah okay were you about right. to say that was steps i was yeah <laughs> steps. 
Christ. <laughs> oh dear. I need to. I need to get back into my Eurovision um, historical uh, folklore. Folklore, yeah, and find out yeah. what was going on. Yeah, do it. It'll be fun. I promise you. All right, so guys, let's give a little like review. Like at the end of the day, what would you give out of ten for uh, Eurovision Song Contest: The Story of Fire Saga? Brendan, uh, five out of ten. I wouldn't. I probably. I wouldn't. You know, like you about you said. You know those kind of films you'd watch on a lazy Sunday afternoon. I probably wouldn't. I would have given it a six, but purely based on the fact exactly like Mike, I probably will never watch this again or want to. I'd probably flick the channel. It's fun, you know, for one watch, five. And Mike? Um, on a first review, I'd give it a, a push, a four. I would say it's got potential, because I think when I first watched Step Brothers, I really didn't like that. And it's now kind of like one of my favourite put on the TV before I go to sleep kind of films. And I could watch that all the time. So, I mean, I probably won't ever watch this again to give it that chance. But I'm hoping maybe it's it's layered in some respects. And if I watched it again, there'd be things I didn't get. Um, worth noting as well that one of my favourite kind of new actors around, the, like in the, in the world at the minute, um, Jamie Dimitriou from uh, Channel 4 Staff Let's Flats. He's like, I think he's like the, the stage choreographer in that. And I thought he was brilliant. Again, I really, I've got, I'm a big, big fan of him. And his sister's work at the moment, so I just wanted to give a, <clears throat> a shout to that as well. But yeah, for me, it's a, it's a four kind of out of ten film. The story is is quite tired. There's nothing spectacular about it, nothing that grabs me, and there's nothing that makes me want to watch it again. Not even a particular scene that I found very funny, and I would think, yeah, let me watch that bit, or let me show someone. This will probably just go to the back of my mind and never be thought of again, if I'm honest. So there you have it, guys. What about um, you, Tony? Um, yeah, I, I think I agree with Mike. I think this would be in the region of like four to five out of ten. As I said, like it's a kind of film where you'd probably have it on in the background, not really pay much attention to it. There's a, it, it's it's tried and tested uh, formula of you know uh, two people underdogs, if you will. Like everyone loves a good underdog story. That's the thing, and this is what this really heavily relies upon is is these two people that are just wanting to you know oh i thought that <laughs> i thought there was a bit of a ya ya ding dong about to happen there um yeah it's just these two people that are you know the underdogs and they're trying to get to they're trying to it's one of those kind of like films that has this very uh, thinly veiled like hey if you can dream it you can build it type things and Listen, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a kind of goofy film, but at the same time, it's 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 kind of forgettable. So in that respect, yeah, I'd probably give it like a 4.5 out of 10. That would be my uh, final synopsis. Comfortable on the fence. Say again? Comfortable on the fence there, just sitting between us. Well, you know, at a push, I'd give it a 5. Just for Yaya Ding Dong, really, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think it's worth a five for Yaya Ding Dong. For Yaya Ding Dong, I'd give it a five. Yeah, go on then. Why not? All right, guys. Well, um, yeah, that's been Inside Your Screen uh, podcast. Um, you can join us. Well, Brendan, uh, sing us out, baby. 
Right, you can find us on Spotify. All our podcasts are on Spotify. They're on SoundCloud. They're on Apple Podcast. Uh, Tony puts up some of the snippets from the podcast on our YouTube channel. Uh, on top of that, on the YouTube channel, Tony's got some gaming stuff on there, some game reviews, some really cool PC kind of independent platform reviews on there. He's got some movie reviews. Uh, there's a uh, Command and Conquer battle. It's also got some of our bite-sized podcasts and some of our older reviews. It's got like uh, Gangs of London review, Killing Eve's reviews, loads of reviews there. And on Twitter and Instagram, we are inside your screen you are screen inside your screen and uh, check it all out because it's all bloody fantastic who loves you baby you're beautiful thanks brendan and thanks mike and uh thanks to you guys for listening to this podcast we'll see you on the next inside your screen inside your screen